0: In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we're back. And Wisconsin, as promised, has an offensive coordinator. His name is Bobby Engram. Going to get into that and a whole lot more here on The Camp. Uh, Jesse, a lot has. Uh, a lot is—I don't know if a lot has happened, but there's there's certainly plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll start with Bobby Ingram, obviously get into Caleb Williams as well, and uh, also touch on the closing up of the 2022 recruiting class and and uh, some of the uh, long—I don't know—maybe long term impacts of it uh, and whether there's any long term concerns with Wisconsin and, and their in state recruiting, and also get into a potential change for the Big Ten and potentially going away from divisions and a new schedule. Uh, or a new-looking potential schedule as well. So a, a lot to get into, I should say. Uh, but we'll start with Bobby Ingram. He is the new offensive coordinator for Wisconsin. He's a eight-year assistant coach with Baltimore, uh, was their wide receivers coach for five years, then their tight ends coach for three. He coached under Paul Christ at Pittsburgh. He was a wide receivers coach at Pitt. So there is some familiarity with that. I'm guessing uh, you have an opinion on this hire. What is it?
1: Well, I think, first of all, it's a hire that Chris needed to make. Um, I I will withhold judgment on what this means because in terms of what the offense looks like, we don't know yet. We haven't had an opportunity to talk to Ingram. I expect that we will at some point later in the week. Hopefully, Paul Chris, too. So we'll have a better sense of of what his responsibilities are going to be. We don't even know what position uh, he's going to be coaching because that hasn't come out. But but the next time we do a show, that certainly will. But strictly from the standpoint of Paul needed to make a change. We've been talking about it for months. He showed that he was willing to look in the mirror and say that uh, it in, is me being in all these positions best for this program moving forward. Well, the, the answer was no. He's obviously still going to be involved. But and I wrote a column about this. So I had a chance to talk to Bobby a couple summers ago. It was for a story that I was writing about his son, Dean, as he was getting ready to enroll. And I, I remember asking Bobby a question about what his favorite Paul Chris story was because they had spent the 2012 and 2013 seasons working together as a, as coaches at Pitt. Um, Ingram at that point was the receivers coach. And he was talk, telling a story about how everybody would put different songs on Paul Christ's iPad. Like obviously we know Chris is a big country music enthusiast, but he was talking about how, he wanted to broaden Paul's musical horizons and add some variety, but he talked about how it was a two-way street. And I use that basically as a metaphor for what this relationship and partnership is going to be here at Wisconsin. Paul had to hire somebody that he was familiar with. For him to feel comfortable giving over whatever he's going to give over of the offense. I don't think he could have brought in somebody that he didn't really know or hadn't worked with, even if someone had given a great recommendation. And I also think they're, it highlights the the collaborative nature of what this relationship is going to be. So I'll stop talking for now, just as a jumping off point though, those are my initial two thoughts had to be someone he was familiar with and had to be someone that they'd be able to collaborate. And it also it had, it, it was the change that had to happen.
0: I think it's just so interesting what his role is going to be. Yeah. Like, we don't know that we don't know. We know the name. But we have no idea what his role is going to be like. There is, uh, is he going to be the quarterback's coach? Probably not. So no, I don't think so. He has experience with. I mean, he's coached wide receivers, he's coached tight ends. Wisconsin has wide receivers coach and has a tight ends coach. The last we knew, Gary Brown was not coaching, right? So uh, at the bowl game. And what is his, is he healthy now? It doesn't sound like it. So where do they go there? Could that be their spot for Bobby Andrew? A spot he hasn't coached before, of course, but I don't think that necessarily makes it impossible for him to do, but like, what, what is his role? Is he going to have a role in play calling? Is he something that he's never done? Is he going to have a role in building? I assume as the office coordinator, he's going to have a role in building the packages that go into this. And what is exact, what do those look like? Are they going to be taking stuff potentially from what Baltimore was doing? Uh, I know that that go, kind of goes into the <laughs> kill Williams conversation, but like it's a, it's a completely different, um, uh, system. So like what, I, I don't know, I get why he made the hire. I just don't know exactly what that hire and what the impact of it is going to be. Cause we don't have a clue as to what his role is going to be.
1: Yep. And obviously within the program, they've got those answers at this point, they just haven't been disseminated to us. But like I said, I we will get those answers this week. I fully expect that we will, um, because I expect us to have an opportunity to talk to Bobby. And I don't imagine they would make him available if they didn't make Paul available to explain what went into all of this. But having said that, yeah, from, from the outside right now, there is a lot we don't know. There was a lot up in the air. But Paul's had a lot of time to think about this. Obviously, you know, we know that Joe Rudolph was going to move on and inform people back in December. So while it was in season, Paul didn't want to talk about it publicly. He had a lot of time to think about how we wanted to strategize and put this together. I don't know what the makes the most sense in terms of a position for, for Bobby Ingram. Like running back is such an important position at Wisconsin, as we know. And wouldn't you want somebody there who had a ton of experience, look at the running backs coach that coaches that they've had there. So I don't know if you can just put somebody in who as great as Bobby has been as a tight ends coach and a wide receivers coach. And again, you know, it depends on where things are at health-wise for Gary Brown. But then if that's not where you put him and you're going to make him a position coach, then you've got to take someone away from something. Could you hypothetically put him into the tight ends role and make put Mickey Turner into a recruiting position? I'm speculating uh, right now. This is not based on some, you know, inside information that I have. But we do know that Paul's got to fill out his recruiting department, whatever that looks like. And I, part of me wonders is it easier to take someone who's already recruiting and within the program and put them in charge again, not saying that's going to happen, but I I just wonder like where, if you want to make Bobby Ingram a position coach, what makes the most sense? Wouldn't it be a position that he's got experience coaching? And I have no idea what it looks like in terms of the offensive coordinator role, how that collaboration looks like. And and I, I don't expect to have that answer, frankly, this week, because how much, information did we have about what went on between Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph when they were both handling the
0: offense? Yeah. The thing about what position he coaches, I mean, he didn't have any experience coaching tight ends before he started coaching tight ends in the NFL. That's a
1: reasonable point to make. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is a guy that was a wide receiver.
0: Yeah. Played 15 years in the league. So he's has, he has a ton of experience, whether it's wide receiver, which obviously he was, he was a pretty good one certainly at Penn state was Blitnikoff award winner. Like he's that's where he did all his stuff, but John Harbaugh thought well enough of him that he could make that move to tight ends coach and oversee the development of the best tight end. One of the best tight ends in the league and Mark Andrews. And I'm not giving um, Bobby Ingram all the credit for Mark Andrews. I'm not, I'm not doing that, but I do think he certainly had a big role in in making him what he was and, and what he was able to do this year, despite uh, all the injuries at quarterback for for Baltimore. So I don't know. I, I I think he could coach. I I think he could coach running backs. I think he could. I don't know if that's the way they're going to go, but I think he could if that is something that they needed to do. But I understand why people wouldn't want him to because of the the history and and all that at the position and. You know, you would think that it's a premier job in this co- in, in the country, though I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's been staffed that way in the in the past. I don't know if you agree or not with that, but it's kind of like the recruiting aspect of of recruiting running backs. Not like, uh, yeah, you would think with all the success they've had that they'd be able to roll four and five star four and like and be in the in the mix for the top running backs in the country every year, and that that really hasn't been the case.
1: Yeah, from a coaching perspective, you know, maybe I'm I don't know. If I'm overreacting or maybe it's not as big of a deal as I think to bring somebody in who doesn't have experience at that position when they've been around the sport for so long, I just, and it would make sense if there was an opening there, which again, we don't know where things stand with Gary Brown at this point. And that would be the most natural if you've got an opening and wanted to coach a position. But again, someone who's never done it before at a position that's so important, I, I would find it to be interesting to say the least.
0: Well, I wonder, I mean, okay. I wonder if Mickey could do it because he's a guy that, uh, while wasn't running back in college, played fullback, uh, lined up at fullback and tight end. And those positions are, you know, they, they, there's a lot of crossover, I would say, uh, between the two. And so I, I, maybe, maybe that's a spot where he could go, uh, if, if they wanted to get Bobby Ingram coaching tight ends, I don't know. It, there are options there. And again, this is a, probably a ridiculous conversation to have because we're going to be finding this out very quickly um, as to what exactly they want to do uh, with that position. We already know – I should say they already know what they want to do and we'll, and we'll find out, as you said. But he's got to coach a position, right? Like if he's not calling plays, which we don't think he will be, and not coaching a position, that doesn't feel like enough for an offensive coordinator. I,
1: I believe he will be coaching
0: a position. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. So but, No, but you're saying like – you. You haven't given me a position as to where he's going to be coaching.
1: I don't know where, but I I, I think yeah. I think he's going to be coaching a position. So do why? I. I, I I just That's what don't. we're saying. Where is it? I don't know. It's where uh, is it? It's a mystery wrapped in an enigma.
0: <laughs> uh and again, something we're going to find out very quick, but he is on board. Wisconsin uh, obviously approved that contract on Friday and he's on board and uh, do you like the hire overall? Like, do you like, I know you're not, don't want to make a judgment call, but too bad. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> this show. Do you like I the like hire it. Or, or would you have liked to have seen them? Not just, uh, and Bobby has been, has never been, uh, people are going to call this like an inside hire because he coached with Paul Chris for two years, but he's been in the NFL for heck 15 plus eight. It's been for 23 years. I can do math. 23 years between uh, as a player and a as a coach, that is bringing some expertise that Wisconsin doesn't necessarily have on this staff. I think it's a a solid hire and we'll see some perhaps new ideas brought to that offense.
1: And that's exactly the point that I was going to make. I like it primarily from the perspective of you needed some fresh ideas. Uh, That was pretty clear. The last two years, the offense has been underwhelming to say the least. And Again, I think Paul needed to bring someone in that he was familiar with. You can be upset about that if you want, but I mean, this offense is kind of his baby <laughs> and he's got to be able to trust that person. So I think it's good that they've got a previous relationship, but I also think it's good that while they were on staff together, that was a long time ago. And Bobby's spent the last eight years with the Ravens in the NFL. He was an offensive assistant for the 49ers before the, that two year stint at Pittsburgh with Chris. And the other thing that I would say, and perhaps this isn't fair to compare, but it's a very easy comparison to make that Chris does have a track record of elevating someone he trusts into a first-time coordinator role because he did it with Jim Leonard. Jim had been a defensive backs coach for one season here, and then he became the defensive coordinator. And where does Wisconsin rank nationally in Leonard's time as an assistant coach? First in total defense, third in run defense, third in pass defense, fourth in scoring defense. Now, that's different obviously the defense and what they've done are doing it at a level that the offense certainly isn't but what my point is that i think it's it you know paul is smart enough and has been around this game long enough to hire people that he thinks will be put in a position to succeed even if they don't necessarily have what you might consider the necessary time in that particular role like if he trusts them if he believes in them and if they have a vision that aligns I think there can be success. And that's why I think this is a good
0: hire. I think you misstated it. You, you said the offense has been poor the last two years. I think it's been three five, out of the last four. What do you want? Five, five of the last seven. So
1: two s- consecutive. You know, I still want to make sure that that the 2019 season did happen. They did go to the Rose Bowl. So that that counts. Yep. Yeah, went 10 and four that year.
0: Four. 10 and four. But no, <laughs> uh, that's fine. No, of course. It is. Uh, it's an interesting hire. I, I think, for nothing else, and and obviously, uh, Bobby Engram has a son on the team, Dean Engram. Um, I'm sure everybody knows that. So I wanted, but I wanted to point out the obvious there at the end. The other obvious uh, aspect uh, of Bobby Engram is the fact that he has a relationship with the father of Caleb Williams. The Does Oklahoma, he? It's first, I've heard of this Oklahoma transfer quarterback who uh, played at the same high school as uh, Dean and uh, his his father and and uh, Bobby have. Uh, relationship uh, apparently also Kale big fan of Russell Wilson and uh, what Paul Christ uh, you know, what he was able to do in 2011 with Russell Wilson. All that said, it's still uh, the last week and a half has been a lot of rumor and conjecture and, and some legitimate reports as well that there is uh, there was mutual interest between Wisconsin and Cale Williams. I believe 24 seven sports uh, uh, Brandon drum from down in Oklahoma reported they met uh, it, the two sides met. Face to face, and that you know Wisconsin certainly had it. Now John McNamara from uh, This was behind a paywall until someone decided to bring it out from behind the paywall. That um, Brand, uh, Caleb Williams called Paul Chris yesterday and informed him he would not come into Wisconsin. Um, you know, all signs like point to USC, and I think that's always the way. It always seemed it was going to be. And I think as we're doing this. It's a little dangerous to be doing this because it could an announcement could be made at any moment. Um, I still think USC is where he ends up. Uh, the longer it plays out, the more you think Wisconsin has a chance. But this is a this is a weird thing I think for Wisconsin to do. You want the best player, right? You want the best quarterback you can possibly have. They, I don't necessarily think that they went all in on Kale Williams, but. The, their, pers- their pursuit of him has become obviously very, very public.
1: This whole storyline has been exhausting in some ways that it has been ongoing for so long and maybe not necessarily Wisconsin's part of it, but it feels like it has. I was of the opinion that he would wind up at USC and certainly in the last week or so, week and a half, I, Wisconsin became more of a player than I expected, I would say. You know, we talked about on the last episode, okay, there's a report out there that Wisconsin is of interest because the the Williams camp has respect for Paul Christ and what he did with Russell Wilson. And my first thought was, okay, that was a decade ago. A lot has changed since then. And just because you have respect doesn't mean you're going to wind up uh, signing with Wisconsin and playing there. And then the other things were, uh, if going to the NFL is a big deal to you, certainly Russell showed you can do that at Wisconsin. But there hadn't been a quarterback since then that had done that. And the wide receiver core, if you stack it up to USC's, there's a lot more talent with USC. And you've got the Lincoln-Riley factor and all the other reasons as well. Um, so th- the fact that there were reports that they met tells you how serious things were with Wisconsin. Um, but it would have been... I, I I'd was said I would have been stunned then. I'd still be stunned this whole time it would have been a massive deal for Wisconsin to get basically the number one free agent in college football. uh, Russell Wilson. Like my thought now turns to um, how does Graham Mertz feel about this? And maybe it's publicly, maybe he'd say it's no big deal because sports are competition, but if you're a 20 game starter, a two year starter and you know, the future of the program and then they're going out and trying to get somebody um, because they don't necessarily think that's good enough for the offense. I'd wonder I'd wonder where his mind is at.
0: Would you still consider him the future of the offense? Like, I, Well, I, he's got
1: two, two years left. He's, uh,
0: he's the present of the offense.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But he's got multiple years left within the program, so I don't know how you necessarily want to define the future. Um, but I, that's also the nature of major college athletics is you're constantly pursuing and trying to bring in people to elevate the program. Uh, you know, Graham played over jack Cohn, obviously jack got hurt but then when jack wasn't uh graham was still playing so like it's a constant battle um but i do i do think it's would be interesting to to hear his thoughts on this whole thing
0: well i think we both know what he's gonna say i'd love to know what his private thoughts, Real are thoughts. On, on the matter yes right? yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> um i would concur yes but the way people have been freaking out about this it's uh I suppose it's been good for business um, because people are just, they want every, any tidbit of information that's available. And that's the thing that's been perhaps even more fascinating. Excuse me. Fascinating about this process. Maybe this is inside baseball, but from a reporting perspective is how little information there's been. It's been such a slow trickle and you haven't really heard anything from the Williams camp and you're not going to hear anything from Wisconsin. So (laughs) it's just been a lengthy process where you're just waiting and waiting to find out any morsel of info.
0: Right. And again, when we were talking about this week and a half ago was, why hasn't it happened yet? And I think that there are probably more things at play. The, the family has said that NIL isn't a part of it, but I think it probably is. And though I think, he, I think in this market, and I think just in general in college football, whether you're in LA or whether you're in Madison, obviously there, there probably are clearly more uh, opportunities just because where you are, but I think you, there's, there's plenty of money available wherever you want to go and getting NFL coaching was another part of it. And in Wisconsin, certainly hiring Bobby Ingram where he's been for the last eight years would suggest that. But again, I, it, it feels like this has just been, I, I do think he was legitimately considering Wisconsin. I do. I think you don't meet with somebody if you're not. Um, and I think maybe, maybe his uh, family was more interested in Wisconsin than maybe he was. Uh but I certainly do think there was there was interest there from his side. So it's not like you, you look at the USC side and this like this is a done deal. It's been a done deal for a while. I don't think it has. Um, I certainly think um, Wisconsin had a, had a chance. It just doesn't look like that's going to play out. And now you have to deal with a little bit of the fallout. But I also think in major college football, like you know, Graham probably has no problem with them bringing in another wide receiver, uh, right? right. Like, or, uh, you know, them bringing in Ches Malusi last year. Like, he doesn't have any issue with that. It's going to be kind of tough for him to have an issue with the quarterback. And I know it's different with the quarterback because only one quarterback can play or normally can play. But this is just the way that college football is right now, right? Like, this is just what you're going to have to deal with this on a yearly basis. Uh, It's become free agency. And if you have potential to improve your team like they did, like they felt they needed to in the secondary, then you're going to go ahead and improve your team, whether it's a quarterback or it's a cornerback.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I was thinking about this, too. Another element to this was the reason it would have been – one of the reasons it would have been such a big deal, uh, again, assuming that isn't what winds up happening, is because that Williams has already proven himself at the college level. You you think about all the hype that accompanied Mertz when he came here. It was high school accolades. It was scholarship offers, and he rightfully earned every bit of that. And in that All-American game when no one played any defense – he was the MVP and he was outstanding. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to the college level. And Graham certainly still has a lot of games left to, to elevate himself. But like with Williams, I mean, when he had 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, he was electric for Oklahoma. And he had, he did it as a freshman. And so I think it was much easier to think about what the possibilities would be because he'd been in the fire at the college level that it would instantly elevate Wisconsin to, I don't know, a, a far higher level than, than what we thought. Um, it just felt more like there would be more of a tangible, immediate, tangible change. It, does that make sense?
0: Oh, no, it definitely does. It, going back to the Johnny Davis factor, it makes him different. It would make them different. If he was in Madison, it would make them different. And I, again, I, I am still of the opinion that Graham can be a, good to great quarterback I, I am and i know that there are a lot of people that have given up on him and, and that's completely fine i i would also completely understand <laughs> i also completely understand that side of things but i do think again considering he's a two-year starter you would you don't think like experience you think he's got it all right but i think the more he plays the better he's going to be and we kind of saw that towards the second half of the season didn't have the greatest game he probably wanted to have against minnesota i don't think anybody did but take that game out of there. And they were pretty good down the stretch. So, or he was pretty good down the stretch. So uh, there's room to grow, I think. And, um, but yes, Cale uh, Williams make them, would have made them different and would have made them, I think a potential, I mean, clearly the favorite in the West and potentially a, a challenger to whoever wanted to come out of the East next year. He, he's, he's that type of player. He's, he is, he's, he's that type of player. And how often do those come along at Wisconsin, apparently once every, uh, well, if it, if it doesn't happen, Uh, it'll have been 10 years or 11 years since the last time that happened.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, and before it's the long and short of it. And before that, right. Well, I mean, we're discounting the Danny O'Brien era.
0: (laughs) Yes. The Danny O'Brien era and the Kurt Phillips era and the Joel Stave era. Yes. It was, uh, those were quite some times. Uh, I mean, they did win a big 10 title, right. With those guys playing quarterback. (laughs) That is not wrong. It's accurate. It's accurate. Yeah. I believe is what you mean. So that's the Caleb Williams situation. We'll see if uh, anything changes. It feels like uh, it feels like it won't. It feels like it's going to be uh, USC, and then we'll uh, yeah, we'll see all the fallout what the fallout is from uh, the Wisconsin side of things. But moving on here, uh, National Signing Day coming up. The second one coming up here in a few days. Wisconsin. I know that they had a wide receiver in. For uh, a visit this weekend, Christopher Brooks uh, was in and its potential. Uh, I mean, he's he, he was a I believe he's committed to Yale. And so uh, he's part of the class of 2022. It's I mean, it's possible that he doesn't sign with Yale and, and changes his mind and comes to Wisconsin instead as they continue to add more bodies to that room. But overall, uh, as has been the case with the early signing period, it's probably going to be a pretty quiet day, but it also is going to be the. Uh, when Carson Hinsman signs his national letter of intent to the university, I uh, should say the Ohio State University, it's going to mean Wisconsin has signed just three of the Super Six from the 2022 class. I know you wrote a column about it and whether uh, it's a sign of things to come or whether it's just a blip. What uh, what do you think? Is it? Well, I guess the one <laughs> the one word answer is I think it's more of
1: a blip than it is uh, cracks in the foundation. But certainly that's been a a talking little, point. Little Jim Pauline for you there. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I asked the question. So can signing three of those six players be considered a success for Wisconsin? No, of course not. Especially when you consider the success that Wisconsin has had with these elite level players out of the state. You know, the, the 24-7 sports has this top two, four-seven. They rank the, as it sounds, the top 247 players in the country in each class. So Wisconsin's gotten eleven of the the previous twelve in-state players who were in the top two, four, seven. So for them to miss out on three, that's a pretty big deal. But what I explored in this column were the circumstances surrounding why they didn't get those three. And, and obviously anyone listening probably knows. But the O lineman are Joe Brunner, who has signed with Wisconsin, Carson Hinsman, who's going to Ohio State, Billy Shrouth, who's enrolled at Notre Dame, Braylon Allen, Jerry Cross, and Isaac Ham if you start with cross, he never had any interest in Wisconsin and no matter how much the Badgers have interest in a player, if someone doesn't want to go there, there's really nothing they can do. Cross committed to Penn state without ever visiting state college. So I think that tells you all you need to know about his thoughts on Wisconsin. But what I did wonder was whether Wisconsin would have had a better chance of getting Shrouth and Hinsman. If not for the 15 month recruiting shutdown in person, uh shutdown because of COVID-19, I do think that is, legitimate and it's not excuse-making and I, I asked Paul about this when a couple of reporters had a chance to sit down with him in December to talk about his recruiting department whether he felt like it was more challenging than normal because of that and his message was it was basically like recruiting an out-of-state player um, and I thought it was a you, know, you don't necessarily always hear Paul give the most expansive answers or if they're expansive you don't <laughs> understand everything that's been said but in this instance I thought he was really spot on because he talked about when you've got an in-state kid they can come up whenever they want you can say hey come spend a day on campus hang out with the guys ask whatever questions you want go to classes with them over time that makes a huge difference in recruiting and it is really Wisconsin's biggest differentiator against the other programs that are trying to come in and, and poach some of these players and Wisconsin didn't have it at all with these guys Shrouth never even visited campus until the dead period lifted so the guys could finally come visit campus in june of this past year isaac ham who committed and signed never visited campus despite living in sun prairie until the dead period lifted and even guys like brunner and hisman the last time they visited was the fall of 2019 well since that time they're getting a bunch of offers obviously they were coming four star players they're coming nationally known prospects and i just think it it really kind of put wisconsin behind the eight ball with those guys I'm not saying they would have definitively come here had they had the opportunity to go to Wisconsin for those 15 months, but I think it would have made a big difference because even with Shrouth, you know, it it seemed as though he was much more seriously considering Wisconsin after actually visiting, even though he picked Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, it's not cause for concern in my mind because of how good Wisconsin has been with its in-state recruiting over the years. I mean, 2019, they signed the top five guys in the state, or 2020, they did. In 2021, they signed the top six because Braylon reclassified. So unless they start falling off every year, then I don't think it's a it's a huge deal. The last point that I would make on this, though, is you can't really ignore what Shrouth said to uh, Mike Singer, who's a reporter for Notre Dame's rival site after he committed to Notre Dame. He talked about how he grew up in the state of Wisconsin. Everyone's a Badgers fan. He heard stuff all the time about staying home, and he said – I didn't think that was my calling. I thought my calling was greater than just that. And the money quote here was, I don't want to be working my ass off all year round to play for peaches. I don't give a damn about that. I want to be playing for national championships. I don't know what playing for peaches necessarily means I assume he doesn't, isn't referring to the peach bowl, but you've got guys that are talking about winning a national championship and doing it somewhere else. To me, that's the bigger problem with the elite level guys. If they don't want to come here because they think they can be more successful somewhere else, that's an issue.
0: It's kind of hilarious that he mentioned peaches considering he he wants to play for chips. He wants to play. <laughs> he wants to play for, for some uh, potato chips. That's what he's looking for instead. There you go. But Notre Dame has been to the college football playoff
1: twice. Ohio state's been to the college football playoff four times and won a title in 2014. I mean, there are not a lot of those kinds of elite level guys out of Wisconsin every year, but I, I think that is a realistic thing to consider I would also say, unless that becomes a widely held viewpoint, I think Wisconsin's going to be okay because they're still getting most of the top guys. And from a big picture perspective, the fact that it's two offensive linemen, like it would have been great for Wisconsin. Badgers are going to be fine. They've got eight, four and five star guys on the roster. And four of those guys are from Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, but those two guys are different because they were inside guys. Wisconsin needed, uh, my opinion, my opinion, Wisconsin needed those guys more than they needed Joe Brown. Could, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, those it, that's guys, a reasonable take. Look, look what they're uh, look. I, th- they have four and five star guys. You said eight or eight, four or five star guys. Yeah, where are all those guys lining up? Well, Tittman's at
1: center. Uh, Jack Nelson was a guard, but I would expect him to be a tackle. Obviously, Logan Brown is a tackle. Trey Wedig, I think, you know, a, if you're going to put those other guys at tackle, maybe he's a guard.
0: I mean, I don't know. But um, no, no, that's the thing though. They, they are tackles, but you're moving them inside the guard. Sure. They, they, I'm not saying that they're not going to play guard. I'm saying that's where you're moving them. You're moving them inside. They're tackle bodies, but you're going to play them inside. Uh, which you saw with Jack Nelson, obviously. Um, and then also JP Benchwall is, mm-hmm. is a tackle body, but is going to be a guard. So yeah. I spent the year playing guard. Jesse, I realized that. What I'm saying is he is a tackle body. Like his sure. size, he's a tackle. But he can. They're going to move him into guard because they they have a need there. Do you think he? Do you think he's a guard body? I like. They've had success with bigger guards, right? Like because yeah. uh, Bo played there and it was right. a three time was it was an All American. Like they've done that, but I don't think that that's necessarily the spot that they would like. If if Logan Brown and and Nolan Rucci weren't here, do you think JP Benchwall be a left guard? Probably not. But I guess I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think guys guy, playing guy, guys playing that are inside guys like Hinsman and Shroud, I think it is important. I, I think you do need different types of bodies to play different types of positions. And I think both those guys would have been very good inside players at Wisconsin. So I think, oh, yeah. I think losing those two, it's not disastrous by any stretch because you do have talented players that you're going to be able to move inside. But I think having guys with those type of bodies would have been, would have been better for them than, than what they ended up getting is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's no question. <laughs> It would have been better for the program to get those guys. No, that's um, not,
0: don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. What I'm saying is it would have been more important to land those guys than it would have been to get Joe Brunner because Joe Brunner's going to play as a okay. tag.
1: That's, that's reasonable too. My, my whole point is like, they'll be fine uh, unless they start losing O-linemen like this every year. Like, I, I don't know. The, the overarching point is I don't think it's the beginning of some downfall for Wisconsin's. In state recruiting because they're still gonna get most of the guys. I just think this year was more unique than any other year. Um I, I see and understand your points. I, I I mean, I just don't think this is the beginning of the end for in-state recruiting at Wisconsin. I didn't say it was either. Um, I didn't I'm not trying to put your words in your mouth. I'm just that's like that's were. my overarching point. I
0: feel like you were. I feel like you were. No, um I will say if you're gonna count Braille and Allen. For the 2021 class, you can't then also count him as getting them in 2022. Uh, well, my are you referring to how I'm talking about them, or? Well, I mean, you said, and they got, and they got Braylon Allen. I mean, they got well top six. They got this top six in 2021 because Braylon Allen reclassified. So then, yes, you're not, if you're going to throw him in on the 2021, this is merely it's irrelevant. But, well, but, but if you're going to throw him in, the, getting the top six players of the 2021 class in the state. You can't then go say they got the top three of the six, three of the top six players in the state for 2022. Cause yeah, that's, then, it's two that's, of the top five. But, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. so under
1: 50%. Well, what I, okay. So how I referenced it when I uh, tweeted out the story is that the, the opening of this story is about the super six. So they wound up with three of the six guys that were considered the super six when the top two, four, seven came out and there were six, four star guys. So Yes. They wound up with two of five in 2022, but they got three of the six super six guys because that was the big talk. That was March 18th, 2020. That was the day that the top two, four, seven came out. And you saw six in-state guys. They're four state players, four star players. And it was, oh, can Wisconsin get all these guys? So uh, that's, yeah, that's the whole point of it. The three of the super six. <laughs> Getting into the minutia. Um <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again. Strive
1: for accuracy.
0: Yes. Uh, so signing day coming up on Wednesday again, Wisconsin, you know, it's probably it's, it's signing day. I should say the signing period starts, but it is quote unquote national signing day coming up on Wednesday. It's always the first Wednesday of February. So yeah. But 2023 recruiting is uh, starting to ramp up as well for Wisconsin. They they pulled in their first commit, kid out of Illinois, Tyler Jansey, a linebacker, three-star linebacker. And you had a chance to chat with uh, a couple of his coaches. And what, uh, what what kind of player is Wisconsin getting in, in Tyler Jansey?
1: Well, obviously, those guys rave about him. You don't get enough from Wisconsin unless you're dominant at the high school level. But his defensive coordinator said he's got the physique of an Adonis <laughs> and just was totally dominant this past season. He's the.
0: Before you go on, he does not appear to like uh, enjoy wearing shirts. So <laughs> um, Would you? I mean. Uh, With that, with that six pack and that, no, I probably, I I would not, I would never wear a shirt. Like what yeah, like it it was like five degrees here this morning. I wouldn't have been, I would have gone out without a shirt on probably.
1: (laughs) But so they used him, he was the Mike linebacker. So he was kind of the signal caller and they used him in a bunch of different ways. I thought it was interesting that, um, so his defensive coordinator compared him to Jack Sanborn, Sanborn went to Lake Zurich. So another Illinois product. And these two schools actually played each other when in the state championship, when Sanborn was a senior. So his defensive coordinator said they've got the same kind of speed, same kind of physical nature to the point where teams that play uh Jancy's team and Sanborn's team back in the day, game play around trying to avoid the middle of the field. So um, I think Wisconsin got a pretty good pickup here in this class. And obviously maybe it'll get the ball rolling for 2023 because they hadn't had a commitment until that, until he, committed what are some of the
0: other guys that are they're targeting at this point
1: yeah so um i've got a story running on tuesday about some of the top targets that wisconsin uh is after so great segue, zach it's almost like we discussed this before the show um but one guy who i i think should excite badgers fans and clearly wisconsin is in hot pursuit of is tackett curtis he's a linebacker from louisiana Wisconsin doesn't get many Louisiana guys, but Bobby April has been all over this dude. I I just talked to um, Curtis's coach, who's his uncle. His name's Jess Curtis. And he told me that April's been down there five times since the fall. So during the the season, he came down for a regular season game. Then he came back for the semifinal playoff game and then returned for the state championship because both those playoff games were in December after Wisconsin finished its regular season and obviously wasn't playing for the Big Ten championship. And then during this last contact period in January, April came down with Paul Christ. Then he came back a couple of Mondays ago and brought Jim Leonard with him. Uh, I think that tells you all you need to know about how much they value this kid. And he is, I mean, he's got over 45 scholarship offers. You can name a school. They're pretty much all after him. He finished his junior year with 128 tackles and four picks. And it certainly seems as though Wisconsin is a serious contender for him. I think it would be a really big deal. I know Wisconsin's had a run of good linebackers, but that would be a nice pull for Wisconsin. There's a lot of other guys that they're after, but guys that, you know, Wisconsin's been in contact with recently. There's a wide receiver named Justin Marshall out of Merrillville, Indiana. He actually came up in December during Wisconsin's bowl prep. Coaches had him come up so they could give him a scholarship offer in person. Uh, Really speedy guy. Had 1,300 yards receiving as a junior and a program record 18 touchdowns. So, you know he's five eleven. He's not sort of that bigger body guy that Alvis Witted likes to recruit, but I think he can be a difference maker. And was another guy that Wisconsin's been checking in on. And then there's two guys from Kansas. I don't know how realistic it is that either of them lined up at Wisconsin, but the Badgers coaches have been in to check on them. There's a running back named Dylan Edwards from Derby, Kansas. He's like a Darren Sproles, Deuce Vaughn type. He's five foot nine. Those guys were five, six. Um, the guy gets like five touchdowns on six touches. Kansas high school football. And I grew up in Kansas. So uh, forgive me. It's not the greatest. I mean, anybody who probably watched some of those playoff games that, that Graham Mertz was in, uh, you can see it's not like, you know, Texas high school football. But this dude is just obliterating people. I think it would be really exciting if Wisconsin could get him. And then they're, they're also after a quarterback in that class. Um, Avery Johnson, I don't know that they're necessarily going to get him, but Paul, Chris came in recently to, to recruit and check on him. So there's a number of guys that they're after. I think I'm not sure exactly who they're going to wind up with, but as things stand in the quarterback room, um, they don't have a lot of offers out to quarterbacks and, you know, obviously they got miles per in the 2022 class, but since there's no Caleb Williams in the mix, as it seems. Probably need to get somebody in here.
0: They still haven't offered. Also, haven't offered an offer to in-state kit. In yeah. the class.
1: They haven't, uh, which obviously a lot of that I think speaks to oh, the top end talent is not there like it was in 2022. But I also think in the summertime is a really good opportunity for those offers to come out. We've seen it before. Even the JTC Grieves in the last class, at the tight end comes to the summer camp, he blows everyone away, gets the offer, suddenly becomes like their top tight end on the board. Um, but it is interesting that there hasn't been an offer out to an in-state kid in 2023. Not something you see this late in the cycle or, or this late. I don't think at least um, with no, no offers out.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's weird. I mean, there are some, I think there, yeah, I think there's some really good kids in the 24 class that have already uh, drawn some interest, but yeah, it's um, after a great, Class like they had, a little bit different uh, going into this one. Moving on, the uh, Big Ten, according to uh, your cohort at the Athletics, Scott Ben talked with Gary Barta, who's the Athletic Director at Iowa. They are uh, potentially, potentially going to move on from divisions and going back to eight conference games. So this would be something that would potentially, potentially happen as early as uh, the 2023 season, and I, I know that there are goals for it, obviously, to, to when you go down to eight games, that game, that ninth game will then be part of the the alliance, right? Like uh, getting potentially games with the ACC and the Pac-12, that, that ninth game would be against those instead. I don't know why you need to take away a conference game to do that, considering you have three non-conference games to work with as well. But either way. It would be a huge shift, and uh, it throws a lot of questions out there. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't know how many Indiana fans uh, there were, Indiana football fans that there were, uh, but they are over the moon excited about it because they wouldn't have to play Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State every year. So <laughs> they, they would potentially be adding Iowa and, and Michigan or and Wisconsin back to their schedule, and they have, I believe, three wins against those teams since two thousand eight. So. I don't I, I, be careful what you wish for there, but either way, I, I think they were probably the most excited uh, of anybody. I know there are a lot of Wisconsin fans who probably aren't overly happy with it for a couple of reasons. One, the West Division, despite you know the the, the record between the two not being that big of a difference, I think it's like seventy one and seventy seven uh, or something like that. It, it the records between the two, like in those cross divisional games, is not as drastic as people make you uh, make it out. To believe I'm like there's Ohio State and then there's some other teams in that East Conference that haven't necessarily been the greatest, but either way, they're not necessarily happy about the, the Big Ten West going away, and also losing another conference game is going to be filled you would hope by someone worthwhile in the from the ACC or the Pac-12. But do you want that more so than a potential uh, a Big Ten game like those? That's a question. And then the other thing, Jesse, is who are the constant opponents or the uh the, the protective annual three. that you play right is mm-hmm. it going to be three is it going to be two is going to be i mean if it's three and then you play the other five and then the other five are just rotated on an annual basis or rotated on a five-year basis whatever it's going to be who are those three teams uh i know that you had to put together your list and i completely disagree with it but um, <laughs> I do, way, I'm guessing you disagree with my third team. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to go to Evanston ever again. Like why would anybody want to go play at that little piece of crap stadium and uh, have to be there? I get, I get, I get that it's uh, a much better rivalry than what Nebraska has become for Wisconsin in terms of just competitiveness, but no, I, I'd never want to go to Chicago again for, for college football. Like, no, absolutely not. But that said, what are your overall opinions? Like there's a lot of information there to to take in. Yeah. What are, what uh what do you take from all that and, and what do you make of of this de- of these decisions?
1: I mean, if it happened, uh <clears throat> I don't think it would be good for Wisconsin. <laughs> I just uh the way the divisions are set up, even though the West Division has become more competitive and the Badgers haven't won that division in the last 2 years or 3 of the last 4. Like they're still in prime position every year to go to the Big Ten Championship. So if it's if it's the other way around, then what? It's just the top two teams, right?
0: Correct. But it's not as if Wisconsin didn't win four Big Ten titles before this came on, right? Like in yeah, you that's know, be true between nineteen ninety three and when the divisions came in in two thousand eleven, Wisconsin had four Big Ten titles. Now, would they have those Big Ten titles if there was a Big Ten Championship game? That's that's certainly debatable, but. They did. They they were at the top of the Big Ten four times in that what seventeen year uh, period.
1: Yeah, I, I just think of. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, Michigan and Ohio State both went eight and one in the East Division. Michigan State goes seven and two. So you're going to have to be good no matter what to get into a Big Ten championship game. So so maybe it doesn't matter. I, I'm I think about the the three protected games, and you're right. I was asked about it. Two are obvious: Minnesota and Iowa. I mean, you don't even have to think about that. The third one, I was honestly like, okay, who do I put here? Yeah, I could put Nebraska. It's, I guess, more interesting. It's not much of a rivalry. Wisconsin basically wins every year. And so I picked Northwestern based on the fact that they played over 100 times and that it was the closest school. Do I want to go to Evanston? Not particularly. I'd be more inclined to pick Ohio State. But, I mean, that's not going to happen. Obviously, I'd rather see a matchup against an Ohio State or a Penn State or a Michigan every year. But for protected rivalries those just don't exist for Wisconsin in the way that some of these other schools do. So if it's between Northwestern and Nebraska, I mean, I don't know. At this point is either one, a bigger deal. I mean, Nebraska is by name only,
0: right? By name only, by name only and by relevance. And, uh, but I take this back. I I don't take it back. I I still would rather than play Nebraska just because I don't want to go to Northwestern, but I also don't want to go to Nebraska either. Like, uh, (laughs) like, Runza for the win. I was, I was just about to say, Runza. Uh, I believe is still seeping out of your body at this point. It's been almost mm-hmm. two years uh, mm-hmm. since since uh, since you had one of those, and yet I feel like you probably can still taste it. So I don't know that those are those are selfish feelings. I feel like like and that that's usually what it comes down to for the media. But I yeah, I just would rather see Nebraska. I think it just makes more sense. I think uh, honestly, I think it should be a rotating between the four teams. Like, I think there, there should be pods and I think those should be four teams in a pod. Um, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan or Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Iowa and Nebraska. Now I know that Minnesota has tro- rivalry trophies for every single one of uh, their big 10 opponents. So I know they, uh, I think want to probably keep the little brown jug going. Uh, is that what it is with Michigan? Right. So like they're they have, I think it's a little bit more difficult if you're going to say pod for them, but, for Wisconsin, I think it just makes sense. Uh, those those schools just make sense.
1: Yeah, it's understandable. It's a lot of off season talk right now. I guess you don't think it's going to happen. I don't know. I'll I'll worry about it if it actually does happen. <laughs> I don't know if I. I don't know if I. If the if the extra non conference game is good, okay. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about going from nine
0: to eight. Here's the thing, like so you have those three guaranteed games against teams every year, right? So if it's Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska, Wisconsin, then there's five other games to be held between what? 10 teams?
1: Mm, yeah.
0: So it's very possible that you could, and I, I obviously hope that they would work against this, but you could be playing Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers.
1: <laughs> it is. If, if the schedule breaks that way, anything's possible
0: right? Like you, that could be, that's a legitimate schedule. Again, I don't think it's going to happen that way. I don't think the, the schedule makers will ever do that. Cause I think they understand like uh, who the teams are, what, what teams are good and which teams are not uh, consistently and historically. So I don't think a schedule like that happens, but it, it's why, the, I mean, like you're going, it, it's not going to be any different than playing the divisions to an extent. Like you're going to always have to play an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Michigan State or a Penn State on the other side, for the most part, you're rarely going to get an opportunity to avoid them altogether, and I don't think that's going to change. Now, you would also don't get to play guaranteed games against uh, you know, Illinois and Purdue and Northwestern, but you still have an opportunity to play in Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana. I don't think it's as bad for Wisconsin as uh, some would lead you to believe. I don't think it's going to be that big of a change in schedule. And I personally would, would prefer 10 big 10 games and two non-conference games as opposed to eight and four, but that's certainly not going to be the case. Okay. I, mean, I, think, I think more conference games, the better, but uh, they also want to make the college football playoff. And so going back down to eight games like the SEC has makes the most sense.
1: Right. Right. It's kind It's say it's about competitive balance with the other conferences, which I can understand. I would just want a good game. No directional <laughs> schools, please.
0: Yeah, get rid of the FCS schools. I thought that's what they were doing when they went to this nine game thing. And, <laughs> right. yet, and yet, there are RCC FCS teams on schedules, including Wisconsin. We have two games scheduled against FCS teams in the future. So they also have marquee games against Alabama and Notre Dame and, and that type of stuff. But i get rid of the FCS games. Just go to the I'm okay with directional schools as long as they're not FCS directionals. <laughs> like, give me, okay. give me an Eastern Michigan or a Central Michigan or a Miami, Ohio. Give me a Mac school. I don't, I, don't, I don't need the FCS schools, but I can deal with the directional school. Either way. Yes. So, uh, Wisconsin, anything else you wanted to touch on? I think we're
1: good. I think we'll – I certainly hope we have a whole lot more information by the end of the week. I think we, uh, we will. In terms I think of I, Bobby Ingram and the staff.
0: I, I think we will. I think we're going to have quite a bit more information you know, going forward and more to talk about and a more idea of what exactly we are talking about when it comes to Bobby Ingram and his role. So we'll see. All right, Jesse. Thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there it's Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Audio.